in Amos. Uh, I am aware that it's Memorial Day. Uh, I am not ignoring the holiday. You know that uh, for some reason I stand very strongly behind our military, and, and I am thankful for those that gave their life in service to our nation. I served with a man in the Marine Corps that died during peacetime. He transferred to a squadron right next to ours when we went overseas in 1980. We'd been overseas for a few months, and we got word that Captain Anderson had died. Both of his engines had flamed out, which is unusual. It's unusual for one engine to go out. It's really unusual for both of them to go out. Captain Anderson's Rio, his backseat man, got out. He, he ejected. But he told us that Captain Anderson, always the patriot, put his aircraft into a dive to try to gain enough speed going across the engines to restart them. He never got out of the airplane. He died in that exercise. Had a wife and two children. He's buried in the Veterans Cemetery in Beaufort, South Carolina. And I always remember him on Memorial Day. And I hope that if there are those in your family or in your knowledge that you know paid the ultimate price, that this holiday is not just about buying a new mattress or buying a car or buying an appliance or whatever it is, but that this holiday is about remembering that freedom is not free. Freedom is not free. And a lot of men and women gave their lives so that we could worship without any fear of reprisal from our government. There, there's your Memorial Day sermon, all right? Our scripture this morning is in Amos chapter 8. It really is in Amos 8 this week. Uh, I messed up last week, and and uh, <coughs> Angie said, how in the world did you do that? I said, well, it was even that way in my notes. And she said, well, how did you get it wrong in your notes? You know, I could understand you putting the wrong thing in the bulletin, but you even got it wrong in your notes. And I said, well, pretty easy. I did it. You know, there it is. So Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 14. You know, God calls us to listen to his word. And and we're going to see that the people of Amos's day, their their eardrums were vibrating. They were hearing it. They were hearing the word of God. Now, we've seen that the people that were proclaiming it shouldn't have been proclaiming it because they weren't godly men. They didn't believe the Bible any more than, than, than they believed the Babylonian myths. You know, I've always wondered how in the world a person could step into the pulpit and dare to say, thus saith the Lord, when they don't believe the Bible themselves. They don't believe what it says. 
They believe that it contains errors. Let me tell you something, beloved. If there's an error in this book, I'm done. Okay? I'm done. There's no point in proclaiming this book if there are errors in it. Because it's no better than any other book if there are errors in it. I said all of that to say this. It does us no good to listen to the Word of God if we also don't do the Word of God. Didn't James say something along that line? He said, don't be listeners only, but be doers of the Word of God. God calls us to listen and do His Word. Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 14, in honor of the reading of God's Word, let's stand. Thus the Lord God showed me, and behold, there was a basket of summer fruit. He said, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The songs of the palace will turn to wailing in that day, declares the Lord God. Many will be the corpses. In every place they will cast them forth in silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy to do away with the humble of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may open the wheat market to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger and to cheat with dishonest scales so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals? and that we may sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob. Indeed, I will never forget any of their deeds. Because of this will not the land quake, and everyone who dwells in it mourn? Indeed, all of it will rise up like the Nile, and it will be tossed about and subside like the Nile of Egypt." It will come about in that day, declares the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon and make the earth dark in broad daylight. Then I will turn your festivals into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring sackcloth on everyone's loins and baldness on every head. And I will make it like a time of mourning for an only son. And the end of it will be like a bitter day. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the beautiful virgins and the young men will faint from thirst. As for those who swear by the guilt of Samaria, who say, as your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they will fall and not rise again. Let us pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst this morning. Father, we ask that as you illumine the heart and mind of Amos when you gave to him this perfect and infallible word that you would illumine our hearts and our minds as well. God, help us to understand and apply this perfect and infallible text to our lives as we offer to you our love, our lives, and this prayer. In and through the name of Jesus, 
our risen Lord and Master. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Obviously, for uh, uh, for y'all, you've seen that we will complete our examination of the uh, book of Amos uh, in a few weeks. Uh, Not exactly sure when that sermon will be preached, but it will be coming up soon. And I hope that you've learned as much from the book of Amos uh, as I have. Let's begin with a question this morning. Is it possible for a person to sin so much that he or she never again deserves a chance to be saved? That's the question that Amos is getting at in our text this morning. He is saying that Samaria, the northern kingdom, has become ripe for judgment. They have become so enslaved to sin, excuse me, that they will never repent. They will never repent. Let me ask you a question. How many people that are meth addicts, do you believe one day said, you know what, I think it would be an amazing idea for me to become addicted to meth and lose all of my teeth and lose my health and lose everything. Nobody woke up and said, I want to become addicted to meth. And yet they began down that road and are enslaved to this drug. The best way to avoid sin is not engage in it at all. Amos is saying that these people have gotten so comfortable in their sin. How many of y'all remember what it was like when you had a substitute at school? Okay. And you remember what we did? See, I'm bringing myself into this. Okay. Now, if you were, you know, unlucky enough to get a substitute that, oh, I don't know, had spent 25, 30 years in the classroom, okay, you weren't going to get it by with squat. Okay. Because they just weren't going to put up with it. But some other substitutes, they would let you get away with stuff. And you know what happens? It just keeps escalating, right? If you got away with this, then you're going to try that. If you got away with that, then you're going to try something different. And it's the same thing with sin, beloved. How many of us, you know, from the South, somebody tells a big Harry, Y'all know what I mean when I talk about a big Harry, right? That's Cock County for your line, okay? That's what we say in Cock County when you're telling a big one. Uh, that's a big old Harry. How many of us, you know, we have this uh, saying in the South, you better step back and look up when somebody tells a big Harry because what, what are we saying? God's going to hit you with a lightning bolt for lying, right? Now, let me ask you a question. If that really happened... How many lies would we tell? 
we would have just told our last lie if the person next to us got split open with a lightning bolt. Amen? We would. We would. But because, listen, Paul says in Romans 3, the wages of sin is death. Okay? We understand that conceptually. But if we actually drop dead the next time we sinned, those around us would pretty quickly begin living lives of righteousness, right? They'd be coming to the preachers, if any of us were still alive. Some of y'all got that one, okay? And they would ask, what must I do, kind sir, to be saved? So many of us just cruise through life. We've heard the Word of God all of our life. And we understand at some conceptual level that death is part of the human experience because of sin. But we've never really seen God directly punish us for our sin. That God has been gracious with us. Amos is saying to these people, you have tread on God's grace too long. And now your chance to repent is gone. Judgment is certain. It's going to happen. There is nothing you can do at this point to stop it. Okay? What happened with them, again, is that they just got so comfortable in their sin that they didn't see any need to repent. Now, here's the problem. Amos comes, and and they're in the middle of a festival. This is a harvest festival that that Amos is talking about, okay? Everybody's happy. They've come to town, okay? They've sold their harvest. Everybody is flush with money, all right? You know what it's like to go into town at the end of harvest season, right? Okay? You sold your harvest. You got, you in tall cotton. You got lots of money, okay? And they're happy. They think that, you know, God has been blessing them. And here's this grumpy preacher saying that you have fallen under the hand of God's judgment because everything you're doing is a counterfeit. And they're just going, who put a burr under his saddle? Why is he so mad? You know, he's a little bit grumpy. Get away from him. Don't listen to what he has to say. Amos says, do we need to listen to the Word of God? Now, beloved, we live in a time with unparalleled access to the Word of God. Anybody in here? Well, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if you have a smartphone, you have access to every translation of Scripture that has ever been published. You understand that? 
We live in a time of unparalleled access to the Word of God. And yet, and yet, look at the culture in which we live. I, I see almost every day on my Twitter feed ministers of the gospel that are resigning or have been fired because they're not living what they're preaching. Okay? I mean, these are men that theoretically know the Word of God. But they're not living it out. We live in a time where there is a famine for the Word of God. God calls us to hear His Word and to live it out in our heart. Verses 1 through 3. God issues a strong warning. He says that judgment is coming and it is a certainty. I said, God said judgment is coming and it is a certainty. We do understand that, don't we, beloved? We do understand that not only does the book of Amos have to do with the, the northern kingdom, it also has to do with God, uh, with Jesus returning and God's judgment uh, finally wrapping up human history. We do understand it's both, right? We do understand that God's judgment is coming. We do understand that the book of Revelation is not just a little fairy tale. We do understand what Jesus said was going to happen when he comes back the second time. We do believe that it is a certainty that judgment is coming. We do believe that it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. We believe that, right? I understand judgment is not a popular topic in, in our culture. And what God says to Amos in, in, in verse 1, He shows him a basket of summer fruit. Now, you know, I was in Publix yesterday. And, and as I was approaching, uh, I, I, Angie wanted me to get some bananas. And so as I'm approaching the produce section, I noticed they had this little basket and a sign, and it said, one piece of free fruit for every child that's in the store. And I thought, well, now, isn't that nice? That they're trying to promote, you know, healthy eating habits among our children. And, and they're being nice and, and giving the, the children something to eat while they're in the store. Maybe, you know, give mom or dad a little bit of sanity while they're trying to get their groceries. And then as I got closer to the basket, you know what bananas they had in there? The ones that needed to be sold right now, okay? Right now. Because if, if, if we have them in, nobody's going to go and go, oh, yeah, I'll take that bunch of bananas. Because they had the black spots on them, you know, they were, they're not the ones that you would naturally pick out. And so I, I guess it's kind of genius because now they take something that they were going to have to throw away and it becomes a tax write-off, okay? See, Amos is saying that the northern kingdom is in that basket. It's in that basket. It's rotten, or it's about to rot. And all that it's going to be good for is to be thrown away. 
God says not only is what you're seeing, Amos, the fruit is right. He's saying my people are ripe for judgment. Now, in Hebrew, there's a a word play between the words summer or ripe in verse 1 and in or time in verse 2. The words sound somewhat alike in Hebrew. And so Amos is giving them something that will be easy for them to remember when the judgment comes. Jeremiah 8, verse 20 says, Harvest is past, summer is ended. And we are not saved. Jeremiah is saying the same thing that Amos is saying. There's no turning back now. There's no repentance. The time for repentance has passed. And he's saying all of your festivals, all of them, are going to turn into times of mourning. It will turn into wailing and and and. Distress. The time will be so terrifying that there will just be silence. How many of y'all remember the first time you saw the planes fly into the World Trade Center? There were no words. There were no words. I remember clearly a little over a year ago hearing words that I thought I would never hear. The Capitol has been breached. I never thought I would hear those words. There was nothing to say. All you could do is stand there and weep. And that's what God is saying. It's going to be like that this is going to be such a devastating thing coming upon them. God's message in this vision couldn't be any clearer. His coming judgment is a certainty. It's going to happen. Listen to me, beloved. This is important. Every one of us will stand face to face with God to give an account for our behavior. Now, listen. There may be some in here that don't believe in God. There may be some watching that don't believe in God. You know what? There are still people on this planet that believe the earth is flat. They look at other planets and say, yeah, they're round, but this one is flat. Okay? I don't care how flat you think this planet is. That doesn't change the truth that this is a globe. And it really, I mean, it matters to me that you believe in God, but it really doesn't matter one way or the other. Whether you believe in God or not, you will stand before God and give an account for everything in your life. We're going to get to the only way that, that that can be a good thing in just a moment. God says that day is coming and God himself guarantees it. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, said in Jude 14 and 15, we got that. Oh, we don't have that? I do. 
Jude 14 and 15, it says, It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all of the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. In Ecclesiastes 12, 14, Solomon says, For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Y'all understand what Solomon is saying? I know, again, it's not popular in our culture to discuss judgment. But truth is truth, beloved. We do still care about the truth, don't we? Truth is truth. And we have to warn people that judgment is coming, that they're going to have to give an account for the way that they live their lives. Verses 4 through 6. This verse opens with a word that would have been very familiar to them. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 15. This is the most popular prayer in all of Judaism. It is recited by uh, devout Jews at least twice a day. And this first word that you see in verse 4 is Shema. Shema Yitzrael. Okay? Is how it begins. And that's what Amos is beginning with in those verses we looked at. But listen to what this prayer says. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give uh, you great and splendid cities which you did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Remember what Brother Lou read for us this morning? Remember what he read? Israel is under siege. Okay? Jerusalem is under siege. And there's these four lepers outside. And they look at one another, and one of them says, You know what, fellas? Either way, we're going to die. They're not going to let us in. So we're going to die starving out here. Let's go over to where the Arameans are. They either kill us or they give us something to eat. You know, we got a 50-50 shot. Whereas if we stay right here, we know we're going to die. And so they go out there and God had caused the Arameans to flee. And I mean, this is one of those feats don't fail me now kind of fleeing. Okay? It wasn't, fellas, line up, we're going home. This was... 
uh-oh, this is a big army. We're about to die. We need to get out of here now. And they ran. These guys come into their tent, and, and, and they're going, dude, look at how much food there is in here. And look at all this gold, and look at all this silver, and look at all these clothes that we've got. And so two times they went into tents, and they took it away, and they hid it. And then one of them got an attack of conscience. He said, boys, this isn't right. This isn't right. Here we are. And here's all this stuff. And our countrymen are back there starving to death. We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. Oh, beloved. Every one of us have the good news. If you don't have a copy of the good news, see me. I got a bag full of Bibles that was just donated to us. I will get you a Bible before you walk out of this room today. Okay? All of us have a copy of the good news, but are we acting like those lepers and being silent? Anyway, Amos lists five sins. They can be grouped under two headings, greed and dishonesty. There is rampant, rampant social injustice. And there was superficial worship. They longed for worship to be over so that they could go about their affairs and resume business. Did I just go there with five minutes left in the sermon? Yeah, I just went there. I just went there. They're going, dude, when will it be tomorrow so that we can get back to business? I know the preacher up there talking about we ought to have an honest scale. <laughs> he doesn't know what it's like out in this world. If I don't cheat my customers and give them less for more, then I'll go out of business. I saw this thing on the, on the news this week. We're up in Tri-City somewhere. Some guy wanted to turn his property into a campground. I got nothing about campgrounds. Angie and I love camping. You know, we love going when we had our camper. But the people around him don't want a campground there. They don't want all of the traffic. And when they interviewed him, he gave the excuse that we all give for our sin. Well, if I don't do it, somebody else will if I don't build a campground somebody else is going to build one right here if I don't sell cocaine somebody else is going to sell it if I don't do this somebody else is going to do it so I might as well do it and that was their attitude if I don't do it somebody else will verses 7 and 8 Verse 7, I'll scare you to death. God says, indeed, I will never forget any of their deeds. Hmm. Listen, beloved. There are two ways that the end of your life can go. You stand before Almighty God... And God has never forgotten 
anything that you did or bless God, God God has forgotten everything that you ever did because you trusted in Jesus. And God said that if you trust in Jesus, that he will remove your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. (laughs) I tell you what, I would much rather face God with that prospect than face him with verse 7, where he says, I will never forget any of your sin. Beloved, time can never erase sin. Hmm. Only the atoning work of Jesus can cover sin, not time. Hebrews 6.10 says this, God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name and having ministered and is still ministering to the saints. God will remember, listen to me, beloved. God will remember either all of the good that you've done or all of the bad that you've done. If you don't trust Jesus, He remembers all of the bad that you've done. If you do trust Jesus, He remembers all of the good that you've done. And so will we come this morning allowing God to remember all of our good. Verses 9 through 10, God is describing this day. It's the same day that we saw Joel describe. And then in verses 11 through 14, God says that he's going to send a famine. Not a famine of food, but a famine for hearing the Word of God. Let me throw this at you and then we'll be done. Come with me a little bit into the future. The trump sounds. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus Christ descends with a shout. His people rise up to meet him in the air. Glory. I don't really care what happens after that. Amen? Because I ain't down here. Anyway, there's going to be some people that were, their names were on the roll of the church. And they're going to remember something, some preacher saying something about that at some point. You know, I remember a preacher saying that a trump was going to sound. That sounded an awful lot like a trump, uh, trumpet. And now, you know, all these people that I knew are gone. They're not here. That You know, he kept talking about this rapture. I never believed in that. And so they're going to go find a preacher. Yeah, there'll be some. There'll be some down here that did not get raptured because they didn't believe the Word of God. And they're going to ask that preacher about all of this. But he's not going to understand it either. He's not going to understand what happened any better than they do. There's going to be a famine for hearing the Word of God. They're going to seek God, but God will remain silent. That's the end of prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul tells us this. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Oh, beloved, may God help us to set his scripture, to love it, to love the God of scripture, 
And may God deliver us from the kind of indifference and lethargy that leads to discipline and finally to divine retribution ultimately. May God help you to come to Christ and believe in Him. Trust in Him. Stop trusting in your good works, your education, your culture, who you were born to, or whatever it may be that you are trusting, and trust in Jesus alone and be saved. Oh, beloved, there is a famine for hearing in our land. Will we go forth from here as Amos did and proclaim the word and the love of God?